Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello, you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm here in my bunker in East London and I'm joined by... This is Rose in North London. And Matt in East London. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Roaring Twenties Radio Show on Soho Radio. The three of us talking to you via Zoom through the internet, I think. Yeah, it's been very kind of, it's been very exciting putting the show together this time as, you know, for the last time it felt a bit nerve wracking. And this time I feel like we're finding our feet in this new bunker format that we've got going. We are adjusting to the new normal. Yes. You can do anything online, can't you? I don't know why we bothered before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do. I miss our pints. I miss seeing your faces. Oh Um, my God, I miss you guys so much. I imagine how pissed we're going to get after the next, the first time we're in the studio. I'm literally imagining it right now. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you got coming up in the show for us, Matt? Matt, you're going to start the show. What What are you bringing us this month? Yeah, so I'm starting off by talking about gigs, which might sound mad, but there's probably more gigs for me to talk about now than there were beforehand. It's just incredible how many there are. Uh, This side of a pond and the other side of a pond. So I've got a massive roundup of that, Uh, as well as gigs, there's workshops and other interactive activities. So that's a huge, big roundup. Um, I've also got a little section talking about activism because some people are feeling a bit lost and feeling like they want to be active. They're not really sure how to go about it. So I've got some tips on that and some places to look. And then I've got some guest poets as well. Um, so I've got poets for, uh, poems from Jenny Lindsay and Repeat Beat Poet and one more special guest as well. So it should oh, be good. Oh, wonderful. That sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. And Emma Rose, what do you have for us this month? I am so thrilled that I um, managed to get an interview with Cold War Steve, the collagist artist. Wow. Yeah, so I had a chat with him yesterday. And, That's amazing. Um, he's my label mate that. on Rough Trade Books. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, he's got yes. a pamphlet coming out. And yeah, I um, also have got my recommendations for online art things and a couple of theatre mentions, support your local theatre. Well, that all sounds wonderful. Nice. I'm very much looking forward because I'm a very uh, big fan of Cold War Steve, but I've never actually spoken to him or, or, or met, met him in life, in real life. We must take him for pints afterwards. Yeah. In fact, we should take everyone for pints when we've done this, when we get out of here. We've had so many generous people sending us work to include in the show. Yeah. I'm in the middle of the show and I've got some... Um, beautiful readings from author Susan Butler. I've got uh, great friends, Joelle Taylor, Elvis McGonagall, Oakley, Ollie Spleen, um, and the great poet Martha Sprackland. It's going to be a really juicy, it's not going to be like a little festival, the middle part of the show. Oh, wow. that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I played some craft work. I've got some craft work for everyone. Oh, oh um, rest in peace. Yes, Florian Schneider. Oh, that's sad. But I'm glad you included him. Thanks for that. Wow, it sounds like a bumper-packed episode. Yes. 
yeah. And how have you guys been though? How have you been? Has anything stood out to you over the last few weeks since we last made a show? I've um, at first I was a little bit in my shell and I was sort of reluctant to do the online stuff and I was really scared about performing online and I wasn't really getting involved as much as I should and now I'm the total opposite I've just totally dived into it and I'm feeling really inspired and energized and uh, I know it sounds daft but it it, I just such a sense of community that I never really realized before so I'm really really loving it not loving the lockdown but loving how much stuff there is online to make us feel better yeah me too yeah I think I overall, overall, I feel like I'm in a casserole of bubbling emotional responses. So in one day, I'll go from being really creative and productive um, to really trying to help charities and help my family to curling up in a corner, staring into space, wondering what is the point of anything. So I kind of, I'm all over the place in one day. I, I'm missing kind of anything that's, you know, steady. I'm, I'm very much thrown around on the emotional sea of it all um, with, with sort of sometimes I'm feeling very sad, very scared, um, sometimes very angry, furious, sometimes uh, frustrated and other times just laughing at absolute the ridiculousness of it all. So I'm, I'm actually in a bit of a, yeah, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a bit of an emotional casserole is the best way. An emotional casserole in a big boat sailing in an emotional casserole sea is me. Yeah, wow. I feel like I'm somewhere in between with kind of reporting in this atmosphere strange because my mood can change depending on who I speak to and everyone's got, you know, people have got serious problems going on. So that's strange. But at the same time, I'm from a, from a self-care perspective, to use that word, um, I'm actually kind of exercising meditating my friend lent me a guitar so i've been playing the guitar again which is nice and i am cooking endlessly i made banana bread and then i felt like a cliche (laughs) i've been making carrot cake i didn't get to banana bread yet (laughs) it's very easy (laughs) Uh, my my other half maria's been baking loads and it's all been beautiful and i'm absolutely useless i put some greg's steak bakes in the oven that's the best i can do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> sorry product placement there other pasties are available <laughs> well i think we should get on with the show now because i'm sure people don't want to know about our baking i'm sure they want to hear some amazing art yeah. and culture and music <laughs> and poetry and revolutionary activism in the roaring 20s the things that we're roaring about in the 2020s my goodness when we came up with that title and with the concept for the show i had no idea we'd be doing it in the middle of an actual global pandemic i know it's mad in it i know we, we are literally are roaring yes <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode six of roaring 20s radio the new show on soho radio for art culture books poetry and activism If you've just tuned in, my name is Matt Abbott, a poet, educator and activist from Wakefield. My co-hosts, poet and author Selena Godden and arts journalist Amarose Abrams are presenting their own individual sections as part of this episode, whilst everybody does that social distancing thing. So, what's happening online in the spoken word poetry world? Well, absolutely tons, to be honest with you. Um, I'll start off with the gigs, because that seems like the obvious thing to do. First of all, my record label, Nymphs and Fugs, we've launched our weekly Instagram sessions. So every Tuesday night from 7.30 to 8, I'm joined by a poet. Uh, We'll have relaxed conversations and performances from leading poetry talent. Sometimes I'll host it, sometimes I won't, but regardless, the poets will always be amazing. Uh, We kicked off with Nafisa Hamid, and next week we've got Repeat Beat Poet. 
All of these gigs are available to watch live on Instagram or within a few hours afterwards, they'll be on Facebook, YouTube, and IGTV and all that jazz. Um, we also had our fifth birthday gig on the 29th of April. Uh, that was a two-hour special. It was the first time that all of the acts on the label performed on the same bill together. Um, and that's available to watch back again on Facebook and YouTube and IGTV. Uh, I know I've given him a shout out already, but I've got to mention Luke Wright. He's just passed his 50th gig. 50 days in a row, he's been doing a gig every single night on Twitter. This has included like standard poetry sets, full length stage shows, all sorts. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, again, I've already mentioned Sonic Youth, but I'm going to give him another shout out. Every second Thursday, they're doing a two-hour special on Facebook Live. They're calling it the Sonic Youth Social Club. It's fundraising for various charities. They have comedians and poets and authors. And this Thursday coming, the 14th, you can catch me. I'm on the bill. Um, it's going to be a fantastic event. I'm really, really looking forward to it. We've got some comedy and poetry and authors, like I said. So that's going to be great. Uh, Harry Baker. He's doing something every Wednesday on Instagram Live. It's called Something Borrowed. He started off with Erin Bolands. He's had Gecko. He's had Mark Grist. And as well as them being on Instagram Live uh, every Wednesday, they're also then um, published as an Apple podcast afterwards so you can listen back in case you're not able to tune in live. Straight after this show, Bradford Litfest are doing a COVID-19 fundraiser and it is honestly one of the most exciting online gig lineups I've seen yet. It's unbelievable. It's uh, a combination of UK and US poets together. They've got Carlos Andres Gomez, Nadine Aisha Jassat, Sofia Kamaria Kinshana, Joel Taylor, Nikita Gill, who of course was on our show a couple of months back, Ian McMillan and Mo Brown. That's on Instagram Live. It's straight after our show from 6 to 8pm. Um, if you're listening to this after the broadcast date, then hopefully they'll publish it online for you to be able to watch back. But if you're listening live, make sure you check that out. It's the Bradford Litfest COVID-19 fundraiser on Instagram Live straight after our show. I cannot believe how good that lineup is. It's just me turning my notes over to show how much writing I've done, done my own work. Um, the Boss is a night in Manchester. They're doing events every Friday night, so you should definitely check them out. Uh, Anthony Anaxaguru and Raymond Antrobus, they're doing poems for a lockdown. So that's on Thursdays, usually, on Instagram Live at 10 past 8. Obviously, you've got to allow for the clap for carers. Um, so Anthony and Ray are choosing four poems each. They're choosing poems by other people, uh, reading the poems out and then chatting about them. That's called Poems for a Lockdown. That's, that's a really, really nice, soothing, relaxing thing to listen to. Shambhala Festival, they're doing events, I think also on Thursdays, they're doing them on Facebook Live and Instagram Live at the same time from 6 till 6.30, I believe. It's not just poetry, but it's a great range of performances from people who maybe would be performing at Shambhala Festival this year, but obviously aren't because the festival's not happening. On Friday the 15th of May, we've got um, Violet Records and Writing on the Wall Festival. They're doing a collaboration. That's 7 o'clock on Friday the 15th of May, starring Roy... Tori Agarbutt, Carla, a.k.a. Poetry for the People, and Will Burns, who was featured in our show last month. Uh, the last event I'm going to mention is Heavy Hitters Festival. So that's from June until August. That's a three-month festival featuring performances and workshops, primarily by poets in the US. Uh, it's produced by Buddy Wakefield, the legendary Buddy Wakefield, and performers already announced include Rudy Francisco, Andrea Gibson, Sage Francis, and performers from Button Poetry and tons more. So that's Heavy Hitters Festival. It looks amazing. 
So we've had a load of podcasts emerge in the wake of the pandemic, every cloud and all that, as well as existing podcasts that are perhaps getting the, the attention that they deserve as a result of people looking for a lot more content online. So we've got the People's Poetry Podcast, which has just released a new batch of episodes. That's really, really worth a listen. We've got Two Cans, which is the podcast from Nymphs and Fugs artist Kevin P. Gilday. Uh, New Writing North have very recently published a podcast which discusses working class writers and a lot of the issues that working class writers face uh, and the restrictions as well. Rick Sanders from Birmingham, he does the monthly Brum Radio Poets podcast, which usually has three guests reading and chatting and sharing and all that stuff. And then Daniel Cockrell produces the Poet Waffle podcast. Um, the entire back catalogue of these is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that jazz. He interviews poets from his shed, um, and it's just a really, really funny and insightful and unique spin on it. Every, every month, somebody has to answer a big question. As well as the podcasts, we also have some workshops. So this month, I'd like to mention the Unislam workshops, which are every Thursday from 2pm. That's uh, Unislam, which is run by Toby Campion. We also have the Poetry Society's Poetry Mixtape. So I think this is a great idea. They're asking various poets to produce a poetry mixtape just to give you an insight into their taste buds and their bookshelf, if you like. Um, the one that I spotted first was Amy Aker. So that's Amy Aker from Bad Betty Press and various other projects. Uh, that's the Poetry Society's Poetry mixtape also verve poetry press they're a great indie publisher based in the west midlands um they published my debut poetry collection i'm a big fan of what they do and they've just launched their open submissions so if you're a budding writer or if you know somebody who's a budding writer definitely encourage them to have a look and if you're feeling brave uh, to submit something to verve poetry press I'd like to give a congratulations to Jasmine Gardozzi on winning the Outspoken Prize for Poetry 2020 and also Roger Robinson on winning the Royal Society of Literature's Ondaatje Prize, which is a phenomenal achievement. If you're looking for written content, why not? Um, my monthly spoken word poetry column goes out on the state of the arts on the first of every month. And finally... Uh, the last thing that I want to speak about in my segment is the Lockdown EP. So that is Selena Godden's Lockdown EP, which was released by my label, Nymphs and Fugs, yesterday. It contains brand new poetry, some incredible brand new poetry to soundtrack your lockdown scenario. Who else but the general Selena Godden to do that? Um, one of the poems is I Want to Be Your Wife. We had the video premiere of that a couple of weeks back. Um, some incredible tracks on there and 50% of the profits will be donated to NHS charities so that's the Lockdown EP by Selena Godden it's available through our Bandcamp site and all of the usual places as well and you should also check out the Nymphs and Thugs Spotify playlist so we've created a Spotify playlist with selected tracks from each of our releases just to give you an introduction to the label if you're not already acquainted Right, so my first poetic guest is the Repeat Beat Poet he is a hip-hop poet and broadcaster from Essex, and he's going to be giving us two poems. Uh, and then straight after that, we have a brand new single from Souls. So Souls is the project of producer David Gledel, who is one half of my band Skint and Demoralised and my best pal. And this is their brand new single. It's called Glory, and it features Roro. But as I say, before then, the repeat beat poet. Hello, hello, hello. My name is the repeat beat poet, and I'm going to be reading two short pieces for you today. Um, thank you to the people at Roaring Twenties Radio for having me, uh, to Matt, Selena, and Amarose, and to all of the listeners and producers as well. The first piece is called Memoriam for a Fallen Pear. There's a pear tree in a graveyard. I sent 
a prayer into its branches, tied around the sounds from my soul and waited for fruit to fall. I was still and hoping beyond hope. With my back flat on the earth, I began stretching my pockets with prayers sent up by other people. Maybe they hadn't waited until the time was right, or they didn't know how to spot when a prayer is ripe or rotten. I kept watch as long as I could. Eventually, my arms folded across my chest, head still towards the heavens, sight sifting through branches, awaiting my omen until I fell asleep and fallen prayers rotted beside me. This next piece follows on from the first and is entitled Sick with Weight. Once, excavation rhymed with escapism. I'd dig for memories immersed in earth and echoing laughter Listen for lost joy. Now, the door splinters open and screws scatter. Grief buried in the walls, despair and time capsules spring-loaded for me to find with trembling lips and buzzing heart ungrounded. And I missed the one who blew blessings to me back home, blossomed glossy and wide like mushrooming clouds, swam easy like starlings singing through sky. When celebration rose in harmony, even as the wailing auntie held my hand and sang, steal away little lost boy, rub the dirt off your knees, Return home and be greeted and be at peace. Steal away, little lost boy, rub the dirt off your knees. Return home and be greeted and be at peace. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Roaring Twenties Radio, for having me. If you'd like to support me directly, you can go to my donations page, which is ko-fi.com that's coffee.com forward slash repeat beat poet thank you very much that was the repeat beat poet with a beautiful pair of poems and the latest single from souls Okay, so in this section, I'd like to speak about activism and how the politically active community have responded to the lockdown situation and also how people who weren't necessarily politically active before have become politically active as a response. Now, not all of this is directly related to or protesting against COVID-19, but in my opinion, it's impossible to deny that this is a political issue. Uh, Recent studies have shown that you are twice as likely to die from the virus if you live in a poor area. You're four times more likely to die if you're black. Uh, Obviously, a lot of workers don't have the right PPE. We've seen a lot about nurses not having the right PPE, but that extends to all key workers. A lot of these key workers are being forced to work. They're too poor to do anything other than work. They're forced to travel to work on public transport, which might not be safe. Um, A lot of workers are being forced to work in conditions that aren't 
enforcing social distancing for purely for money reasons. So, for example, in Royal Mail, a lot of their sorting offices, the, the postal workers are not working in socially distanced environments. Some they are, some they're not. We've seen a lot about people working in the Amazon warehouses as well. They're not working in socially distanced environments because, quite frankly, for the companies, it would affect their profits, and that is more important than the workers' uh, health and well-being. If you live in a polluted area, you're more likely to contract the virus. If you live in a congested area, and so on and so forth. And in my opinion, much as this might be controversial, I do think that the government's response was deliberately delayed and deliberately lacklustre because I think, well, to be frank, it suits them for people in these brackets, shall we say, to be um, affected by the virus. So what can we do? Well, on Thursday night, there was a really, really inspirational event that took place online. The People's Assembly Against Austerity hosted a mass online rally. Thousands and thousands of people joined in. It was called the Fight for Our Lives, and the official hashtag was Health Before Wealth. Um, they had speeches from Laura Pidcock, Jeremy Corbyn, Dave Ward from the Communication Workers Union, uh, Shelley Asquith from Stop the War, and loads of other people. And just to see those people come together and speak and address the situation, and to see how many other people were watching as well and commenting and exchanging messages of solidarity and information it was really really inspirational and it just showed you that activism won't go anywhere no matter what happens even in a lockdown um, we can still have rallies like that and sort of challenge the things that we feel most passionately about um, if you were interested uh, the people's assembly have also launched a podcast recently with laura pidcock presenting it called the pidcast um, her first episode is online now featuring a full-length interview with jeremy corbyn uh, I don't want to make it too party political, but there is a website called labourfirst.org. If you go to labourfirst.org slash reading list, there's a whole ton of resources on there for you to read during the lockdown. So there's history, theory, biographies, autobiographies, films, podcasts, um, stuff on US politics, links to other websites and resources. There's a ton of stuff there. It's not all directly related to the Labour Party. It's just obviously of a slightly left wing slash socialist persuasion. And away from all of that, I know that loads of local groups and organisations are hosting regular meetings. So whether it's a political group or whether it's a different kind of organisation, loads of them are organising regular Zoom meetings, uh, which you can access through social media, Eventbrite, that sort of thing. Basically, what I'm saying is it's never been easier to connect. It's never been easier to meet like-minded people, whether they're in your local area or further afield. It's never been easier to log on and get information and make friends and find out how you can get involved in the long run. You know, sometimes trekking all the way to a meeting, it might be a couple of miles, you might be there for a few hours, you might realise you don't like it. You can just jump on Zoom and find out. So I really encourage you, whether it's climate change or party politics or whatever it is that you're passionate about, uh, now is the time to get on it make the most of the spare time that we've got, make the most of the intense level of connections uh, that we have at our disposal right now. And if there's something you feel passionate about, go out there and be one of the people that changes it. Okay, so my next guest recording is by Louise Fazakale. This is a poem called Weather Report, which features on Love is a Battlefield. Love is a Battlefield is one half of her Council House poetry album, which is available through Nims and Fugs. Um, this was a commission from BBC Radio 3's The Verb under their New Voices campaign. And it features musical backing from Leafen, and it's about her family's experiences with war and PTSD and it is incredibly powerful and tender and beautiful and it blows me away every time. And this track, Weather Report, I think is my favourite one. Um, and then straight after that is the brand new track from Tame Impala featuring The Streets. Where the snow globe 
in summer, where the sand glow in winter. At night, the temperature drops. I curl round him to keep him warm. He's like a corpse. There's no response. It's cluttered in here. This cerebral dome. This unwanted gift from his trip abroad. The turn of the, the night and day of the glass globe. A glass tent. Standard army issue. They give them to soldiers like soldiers throwing sweets to kids. At night, the temperature drops. Like nowhere else in the world, Afghanistan. Like nowhere else in the world. Call and call my phone thinking I'm doing nothing better. I'm just waiting for it to stop so I can use it again. Okay, so that was Louise Fazakali, followed by Tame Impala featuring The Streets. Uh, that brings me to the last section of my little segment. So what I want to do is I'm going to leave you with a writing prompt like I did last month, uh, and then I'm going to play two more tracks for you, which are very, very powerful for various reasons. So for the writing prompt, what I want you to do is pick an item of clothing that has been important to you at some point in your life. Might be important to you now, it might have been important to you 20 years ago. I want you to have a little think about this item of clothing, right? And I want you to write a letter to it. So have a think about where you went with it, what you did in it. It might have a hole in it. It might have a stain on it. Might have been a present from somebody that you don't want to be reminded of anymore. It might be something that you were embarrassed that you used to wear. It might be something that you wish you could get away with wearing still, but realistically you can't. And for various reasons, whatever it is, have a think about this item of clothing and how it's played a part in your life. Um, Because I think clothing is a great route into identity and nostalgia and belonging and all that sort of stuff. And obviously it's something that changes drastically over the years as as we grow as people and as the times around us develop, like there are things that people wore in the 80s that I can't get my head around and I was born in 89. Uh, it's, it's amazing how quickly it changes. So pick an item of clothing and write a letter to it. Uh, you'll be surprised at what it digs up. And even if the actual letter itself as a poem doesn't get you anywhere, it will inevitably unearth a few things that you want to write about. So just before these last two pieces, I just want to say thank you very much for listening. I hope everybody stays safe. Uh, immediately after me, we have Selena Godden. And then closing the show again, we have Amma Rose Abrams. I really hope you enjoy it. Please give us a shout out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio and the 20s is 20S. And if you're listening to this afterwards, please share the podcast links uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for your continued support. Right, so the first track I'm going to play is an award-winning track by Jenny Lindsay, who's a fantastic poet from Scotland. The track is called The Invented We. It features music composed and arranged by Biff Smith of A New International, piano by Joe Shaw, cornet by Mike Truscott, violin by Caroline Evans and Kate Maguda, viola by Ian Henderson and cello by Pete Harvey. And it's a really stunning piece, and I'm really pleased that Jenny has shared it with us. And then followed by that, we have a track from Ty. So Ty uh, was a British hip-hop artist who very recently, yesterday, died age 47 of COVID-19. Well, it it came through on Thursday night. Uh, Ty was uh, a pioneer of British hip-hop. He was well-loved by many people on the poetry and spoken word scene. His second album, Upwards, was nominated for the Mercury Prize in 2014. And the track that we're going to play for you today is called Rain. So rest in peace, Ty. Uh, This is Jenny Lindsay, followed by Ty, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers. We are never permitted to be human poets, writers, journalists, whatever. We are women poets, female writers,
victims, we are murdered women, we are statistics, we are problems to be solved, we are problems to be represented. Each of the imagined we who rises up becomes us. To the ground falling down, to the ground falling down. I'm going to switch to books now. I would like to talk about the paperback release of Signet, coming out this week on paperback with dialogue books. Signet by Susan Butler. This is her debut novel. It was published in spring 2019 and won the Writers Guild 2020 Award for Best First Novel. In Signet, Butler tells a coming-of-age story in which the book's female narrator turns 18 years old on an island exclusively occupied by oldsters. It shows a young girl resisting the savagery of adulthood as a dying community also rejects the promise of youth. It's a fantastic book. I really enjoyed it. And we're very lucky here to have an exclusive reading from Susan Butler. After last night's landslip, the backyard's taken on a half-moon shape, as if the sea took an actual bite out of it. Almost noon, and the heat is like a boxer heavy, but fast, and violent in the air. There's one particular rock close to the edge of the cliff, flat and broad, barely visible above the line of the grass, just before the ground goes hollow, where it's really just an overbite with everything underneath already gone. There might not be enough cliff underneath to support my weight, but for some reason I'm drawn to it. So I crawl super low to the ground, more like a snake than a baby, and pile my body on. It's the perfect size, practically made for me. As I slide out of my t-shirt and underwear, the sun is so hot my skin turns to scales, and my blood burns and my bones toast. The light and heat penetrate the density of my hair and sting my scalp, and summon up itchy, prickling sweat. I let the heat in under my arms and between my toes. I open my pussy and let the light get as far inside me as it can reach. It's noon up my nose and in my lungs, and the ocean can have me if it wants me. Everything can end if it ends like this. My skin tingles hard like a violin string, like the surface of a drum. I think there must be music coming off me. And then I think I hear the phone ring, so I freeze, ready to sprint inside. But it's just one of those noises my brain makes. So I settle back onto the rock and stare out at the ocean. I have a hard time thinking about a wave, like one single wave. I see them as more a they than an it. They're beasts, a school of them, a swarm. They move with one brain for a common purpose, making more waves. The tide's gone in, gentle, orderly, diligent. The waves are Japanese. Their shape is just how they look in prints and on plates. They were definitely invented overseas. The perfection in the way they roll, many in a single unit. Orderly is time, 
the back pushing its way over to the front. Life went and got perfect literally a couple of minutes ago. And maybe it'll stay like this for a while. Maybe all day even. But I've never been as lucky as that. Season Butler, reading from Signet, out in paperback with dialogue books this week. Next up, I'd like to share a poem from one of my favourite poets, Joelle Taylor. This is something she's written in lockdown. Joelle Taylor is an award-winning poet, playwright, author, editor. She's performed across the UK as well as internationally um, uh, with, with the British Council on solo projects across Europe. She's read in diverse range of venues from the 100 Club, the O2 Arena, the Royal Festival Hall, Ronnie Scott's, the Royal Court. Her um, biog is so impressive. Her most recent collection is Song my enemy taught me which is published by outspoken here's joelle with a new piece which i um, really love this is called a very english apocalypse a very english apocalypse one corona visa having repelled foreign bodies foreign bodies invaded our bodies now foreign Slipping between border rails, they drifted over high walls, seeped beneath the carpets of Parliament, teaching us the anatomy of loss, the universal theory of alone, the mathematics of survival, the weight of air, how visa it all is. We should have checked our temperatures years ago. Two, a very English apocalypse. This fever empire, this other, this better, all rogue, all unjoin, all apart this width. We have invaded ourselves and queued to do it. What is the distance between two people walking away from one another? Hacking up headlines, a cough of white crows circle the city's bloodstream. And two friends walk too close together, their kisses unexploded. The birds teach us new songs, and we follow, reading closely typed manuscripts in crow, and we follow, oh look, and now there are dolphins in Venice canals, goats in Landudno gardens, and lions reporting the news in Moscow. In Britain, the bulldog has returned, but each of our doors are closed. Hear him now, his midnight howl, the sound of wrong. An ambulance, bowling. Three, the empire of us. And all of our beds, desert islands, the empires of us. I lie there, my body foreign, no longer speaking the same language. One of my hands does not understand the other, and my blood ticks. And then there is you, my darling. We are two dogs tethered, biting at our own umbilical. And there are seven cracks across the living room ceiling, darling. The windows are laboratory slides, darling, darling. Teach me the shape of your happy. Teach me Galway, 1974. Teach me this love wassailed between tower blocks. Teach me an earthquake of hand clap. Teach me to dance on the edge of everything. My darling. It took this to show us the air. Cold War Steve is an artist, satirist, um, collage genius, collage savant, um, 
really talented guy who basically started building satirical and or pictures out of using popular characters of the day, always including Steve McFadden, often as an observer, um, reflecting news stories um, of the day. So they think it all started around the time of Brexit, when a lot of people felt like there was this kind of this kind of post-truth language knocking about, and people felt like the truth was all kind of very malleable, and news was very untrustworthy, and people didn't particularly. Uh, feel like they had a voice and these pictures I think did the job of satire which kind of reflected the day and reflected the common feeling of many people about events that were taking place in some way they're like these amazingly elevated memes that include um, you know the lounging Jacob Rees-Mogg you know Dominic Cummings's famous scowl um, they're just absolutely brilliant and I encourage you to go and look at them at Cold War Steve, all one word, Twitter and Instagram. Um, since his rise to um, fame and in, like immediate inclusion and acceptance into the art world um, via Twitter, he has had three exhibitions. He has um, published a book, The Festival of Brexit. He's released puzzles, calendars, all incredibly popular and he has two exhibitions online which you'll hear about during the interview as well as a pamphlet coming out with Rough Trade Books. Our interview was recorded over the phone. Cold War Steve, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. How are you doing in this glorious lockdown that we're all experiencing at the moment? Um, Yeah, it's we're getting sort of towards breaking point a bit in the house now, yeah, um, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's obviously me and my wife, three daughters. Um, novelty's definitely wore off now. Yeah. Um, uh, going a bit crazy. But weather's nice today, which helps. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Shoots them into the garden. Yeah. Well, the oldest one doesn't leave a bedroom, but <laughs> the others do. Um so, we, you know, we, we get... So I wanted to ask you, um, how did it all start for you? <coughs> what instigated you to start your project, um, Cold War Steve? Um, so it started in, I think it was March 2016. Um, and I'd always messed around with different things on, on Twitter and had a few different accounts. Um Noel Edmund's hair, where I just put Noel Edmund's oh, yes. hair on people. Um, do you remember that one? I yeah, do. That, was, that, was, <laughs> that was my first um, foray into being reasonably popular. Um, that joke was seen really quickly, obviously, because there's only so much you can do with that one. <laughs> um, but then I, my, um, my mental health deteriorated quite a bit in, in that period. Um, but coming out of that, I decided to. to focus all my um, energy into to something more creative. Yeah. So I did, um, I don't know how I came up with it, but I thought putting Phil Mitchell <laughs> into historical Cold War scenes seemed like a, a good idea. Um, yeah. So I, I, I dug out some old Cold War, um, you know, Soviet, black and white Soviet pictures of um, 
Brezhnev and Khrushchev and yeah. Gorbachev or whatever and just put a drunk Phil Mitchell in the same very kind of crude um, cut and paste app that was on my uh, phone at that time and did a set up a, a Twitter account for it. Um, and then it got, got really popular, which was a complete, even more popular than Noel Edmund's hair. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was uh, I mean, I got a lot of comfort from making the pictures. You know, it's great therapy, just putting the images out, looking for the images and stuff. Um, but then to have, you know, feedback that was positive as well um, was really helpful. And it just grew from that, really. Yeah, because it's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's so popular. And I feel like now it's almost become like when something happens, I wait for your reference point. Like I wait for, <laughs> <laughs> I wait for the comment. I'm just like, I need to do this. I need to do this. Yeah, because obviously when it, it started, it wasn't meant to be satirical or anything. It was just messing around, really. But um, it, it, it developed more and as I channel my anxieties into the work, that was reflected, especially with um, Brexit um, and the, the fallout from that. Exactly. So, I mean, I kind of feel like you became the kind of artist laureate of Brexit people. <laughs> because it just, it just felt like, I guess at that time, there wasn't a great amount of recourse for people and certain opinions. You fe people felt very kind of censored. And, yeah, um, yeah. I think it gave it reflected a lot of people's thoughts, and in a way that a classic satire would. And then, in combination mm. with that, you've got this kind of wonderful meme quality to it, which it's which yeah. was like taking it to another level. Like I was just looking at them just now and thinking about you know Corbet's the artist studio where he paints the yeah yeah. And it's he's got all these references in there, like he's he's kind of like archetyping all these people and making them look like animals and referencing all these different insults for political figures. And if you know, you know, kind of thing. But this is like yeah, an updating yeah. of that kind of really kind of deep, deep satire, which is fantastic. Thank you. What well, it, it really helps me. I don't like I've said before in interviews. I don't know what on earth I would be doing really to deal with all this if I, if I wasn't making my little pictures. It's, I feel very fortunate that I'm in a position that I can I can channel some of my anger or anxieties into it because there's always a story on the news and it's, mm. um, you know, you think, oh, come on, you know, um, Farage goes to Dover and, and starts harping on about um, migrants and stuff and it's just mm. like, oh, jeez. Um, so, then I think, right, okay, let's 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 get one with Farage in just to, to, to make me feel better, really, more than anything. But um, and it is it is reacting to the news. Uh, there's obviously been a wealth of material over the last last few years, but certainly with the Brexit stuff, that when it started, there wasn't a great deal of. There was a lot of people that I could tell were were not pleased with how it how the um, referendum was was brought about and how it was won in the end and um, there wasn't a great deal of protest art or protest thoughts really at that stage yeah, that um, I think the first thing that, that, that significantly probably was, was when Danny Dyer called David Cameron a twat on, on some bizarre television programme 
um, which I had fun with afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, as things were going along, that the other great things came about, like Led by Donkeys, and yeah. you know, so it, it, it was a, a, a thing that was growing, and, and Brexit end, it, you know, came to a, a, a close really at, at the end of January. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? You know, the same characters are there, and we'll need to be continue to have a light shone on them um, by the likes of myself. Yeah. And then, obviously, coronavirus came out. Of, uh, exactly. Came so upon us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. I really loved um, your... One of my favourite ones, I think, of yours, of mine, is the one with Boris Johnson walking through a hospital, and it's just like an infinity mirror of babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Boris is, is a, a gift for, for what I do. Um, but that was... It's just... Um, the way he'd lauded, as, um, you know, this great man and this saviour, but people seem to forget, you know, who he truly is. And yeah. the fact he won't actually admit to how many children he's got, obviously that's the reference I'm making there. That's um, outrageous. But <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was a fun one to make. And then I, I did it, and then on the day that the birth was announced, obviously I, I gave it a, a, a retweet just to, yeah. <laughs> as a celebration. <laughs> Exactly, just to remind you, keep it out there. But um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, and you've got this kind of stable of characters, so it's it's come from Steve McFadden, and it's grown to, I mean, Jacob Rees-Mogg, the Pope, Danny Dyer, Kim Jong-un. Um, yeah. There's, there's um, Dominic Cummings, he's a regular. Oh, yeah. You've got yeah. The, <laughs> all these, the GNU, and all these different... <laughs> characters that have this increased loaded meaning in all these different settings and yeah I just also well I wanted to ask you how you decide when do you decide right that person's going to become part of what I do now yeah they um they either almost set themselves up to appear in it so um something like Greg Wallace will release a picture of himself doing squat for us or something. And it's, it's just like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you're in. Uh, Nick Knowles, when he released his album of uh, gravelly voice doing his songs, I was like, right, not having that, you're going in. But then the, the I mean, the political ones, they're, 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 they're grotesque characters that, that are a gift, really. You couldn't write them. I mean, Trump, obviously... Kim Jong Un, um, Boris, uh, and then all of a sudden Cummings comes out of nowhere with these. And just the way they look, you know, they're almost caricatured in themselves. That they, they, they personify their their political leanings and thoughts and everything in, in their facial expression. So um, it is a, a, a bumper time to have uh, fun with these characters. And some are regular, some are you know, will go and then they'll return. And um, I think that Richard made, he was photographed walking down the road with a bottle of Corona oh. beer. Oh. And his coat slung over his shoulder. And I thought, well, you know, people send me that saying, come on. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he can always be relied upon, Richard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Just, just, just. So there's, there's that level of celebrity, you know, the, the Greg Wallace um, and... Uh, Richard Madeley types that, that, that feature, and then obviously they're used to, to 
almost send up the, the politicians that are in there as well. So it's, um, you know, I don't want them to be too overtly political. I want them to be a bit, you know, have a, a tongue in cheek. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what makes them have such broad appeal is that, and it also highlights what I think some of these characters would like to move away from, which is none of this stuff happens in isolation. It's not just yeah. these kind of malleable stories that you can just drop in and out of, you know, history, news. It There is a context that it all happens in. And that, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, and I was wondering it, also, like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 I was, I was just going to say, it, it, um, and the, the, the media in this country, obviously, for, for quite some time now, it's difficult to, to, to see any um, negative press against um, you know, Boris Johnson's government. Mm. Um, that's why, you know, I think well, the work I'm doing is, is, is crucial in a way just to get that other, other side across to people, really. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly, because as you say, it was, it, was, it was difficult to make sense of the news and when people were talking about this kind of post-truth stuff and yes. all these oh, yeah. terms yeah. flying around... Um, and thankfully, that seems to have all died down a little bit now, for now. Yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you as well, like some of the paintings that you've um, used in your work, like Hieronymus Bosch and um, Nighthawks, mm -hmm. the Hopper. And I wondered, how yeah. do you have like paintings that you've got in mind um, that you'd like to use at some point, or is it all just very organic? It's it, it is organic, but I do. I think the first. I never um, use back, backdrop searching is, is my favourite thing, really. I've got, um, you know, files and files of, of backgrounds that I, I like to use, and they're carefully chosen, really, and, and um, so that it, it adds to the whole um, concept of the piece. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, but the paintings, definitely, I think the Nighthawks was the first one. I mean, that's a painting, obviously, that's been um, used loads of times by people, but I um, chose that one. And then I think Hopper is someone I return to because he almost provides a, an empty set, an empty stage for, for me yes. to put the people in. Yes. Um, but especially now in, in um, you know, with the lockdown and everything, his pictures really resonate, the, the, the Kind of starkness and the, the loneliness almost of, of, of the painting, so yeah. they just lend themselves really well. And some like Bosch is, you know, I've tried to when I've set out doing the big grander one. So I, my aim was to make a picture that looked like a Bosch, but featuring obviously photo yeah. montages. So there'd be kind of different sub stories going on in the corner and symbolism and. Mm -hmm. you know, quite nightmarish and, and dreamlike so um yeah they're the bosch and Brugler, the two that i return to for, for reference points quite a lot they definitely seem to um work very very well around the time of well around the kind of the it stretched out time of brexit and all it's yeah 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 well especially i mean the the, the Bruegel um triumph of death i think it's called it's huge painting that i used to make my uh, Brexit hellscape, which yes. became a very successful jigsaw, <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, 
put out and that, that's done really well. It, it's a lot of people, and I thought of people on Christmas Day doing this jigsaw featuring all these strange characters of, yeah. of mine and Bruegel's. Um, but yeah, that's, so that was, something like that works so well. Yeah, with, just, with just the perfect. message I'm trying to get across. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then I, um, and you, it's because it's gone from being like mainly a internet-based kind of endeavour to, and it's now grown. You've got jigsaw selling work, calendars, and you've been having shows. And so I wanted to yeah. I know that you've got. Um, You've got an online show, you, me, and Cold War Steve. Could you tell That's me right, yeah. about that, please? Pandemic proofed. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I've done bits and pieces, uh, exhibitions and, and things, but I've never had a, like a, my own proper exhibition. So, um, Carl Goslin, who's my manager, mentor type person, yeah. came up with the idea of rather than having a, a, a a usual gallery exhibition. Cause that was what I wanted to do first of all, get a big gallery and do these big billboard size images in there. And, um, we're thinking, you know, I haven't, galleries are all very well and good, but I've not come into the this art world through the usual route. Mm. Um, it does feel I've, I've, I've jumped in from a completely different angle, really, and it's Twitter's where I've, I've, I've grown the, Brand, yes, and a bit, um, but then the idea of Carl had was to have a free exhibition that anyone could print out and have themselves. So we wanted across the country, people were sending in uh, locations. That, you know, could just be a shed or a yeah. garage or a, a, a um, the best one we had was a, a man. Well, one of the best ones was a mannequin graveyard. <laughs> there's just thousands of dismembered mannequins in piles and stuff like that and, it, and we were like that is so perfect isn't it you know just have the work put up there um but a lot of community based centers as well which was great that's the, the one thing we wanted was um you know repurposed uh, community buildings and just to get 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 some some people involved and and, and it was great and it was that was going to happen first of april but then obviously um we we had to postpone that because it wasn't possible but we we put it online so the all the exhibition pieces are, are now free to download um still and print out for a, for a later date whenever it's safe to do but but we've we've got an online um exhibition where i put the pictures in a virtual gallery again it's not a gallery it's, it's through the woods so it's like abandoned cars in in the woods and cool. things like that um so that's the the exhibition online. Right, and you've also got um, Benny's Babbies. Am I saying it right? <laughs> yeah, Benny's Babbies. <laughs> babbies. Um, it's quite it's a horrible word, isn't it? But that's what a lot of Birmingham people call babies. <laughs> um, and that's yeah, I mean that's uh, kind of the pinnacle, really, of, of what I've done. Um, you know, I'm live in Birmingham, raised in Birmingham and love have loved Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery for so many years. Yeah. Um, never dreamed that I'd actually be having something exhibited there. It's just beyond my wildest dreams. So when it came up to be um, 
to be to be done, and that was due to be unveiled 18th of April. So obviously that didn't happen. Mm. Um, but we've released it online. Fantastic. So there's three commissions. So there's still two to be released mm. that, that are using um, the the online resource that the museum have, have got, which is all their artworks are free for people to, to download and, and have a look at. So the point was for me to choose stuff from their works and incorporate into my own. Yeah. Um, to, to get people to have a look and, and u- utilise the, the, the service that we've got. So that's, we released that online um, and that had got a good response. But of course, when the gallery is you know, eventually open, it, it will be uh, unveiled there big two metre wide thing with a really uh, nice gilt, uh, gilt frame. Be, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> no, I, and um, and kind of what I don't. It, it's it's just all round. It just seems like a kind of perfect fit. And yeah, I know you have such a nice art scene in Birmingham. It's nice to see get have it. You know. Yeah. On that. Yeah, definitely. And that's you know, conscious of because um, they there wasn't a brief as such. It was just for me to use some of their images in some work there wasn't specifically a brief but I thought yeah it would be nice to do the main one as, as a, um, in the vein of my Edinburgh piece really which is the first positive was, that was um, Harold um, blowing his tuba and it yeah. was a <laughs> massive beach thing and that was the first positive piece I've ever done mm. so and I thought I'd like to because that was they sent images of where the, the um, piece was going to be and it was outside the lovely um, gallery too. And I thought, I can't put my usual dystopian, you know, yeah. hellscape type well, scene there. Something. It just wouldn't look right. So yeah. I thought, right, let's do something positive. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was just every, you know, positive, uh, inspirational people yeah. that I put on there. And I, I, from that, I, I thought I'd do one... Um, Birmingham and it's um, and I was conscious obviously to, to make sure I include a lot of the brilliant artists that, that are around now in Birmingham and also um, from the recent past as well so that's, that was great wonderful wonderful well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me um, on Roaring Twenties Radio I've really enjoyed thank you. finding out more it <laughs> um... was a great honour to, to, to <laughs> oh, come on thank here honour for us and that was Cold War Steve thanks so much for coming on the show um, so in art at the moment we have everything's gone online as I said before nothing's really changed there other than it's expanded I guess the biggest news this week is that Freeze New York has opened online. I attended my first Zoom press conference, which I very much enjoyed earlier this week and saw what they have on offer. There are some fantastic um, pieces that you can see online at their websites open to everybody, including um, some wonderful things that I saw um, by Latinx artists and of that tradition, which was really, really fascinating. Um, and I'm going to check that out in a moment, actually. <laughs> Very excited to see. And it was just wonderful, despite the fact the situation we're in, to just see that the excitement still got me, just seeing all these artworks from all over the world, like, brought together. 
uh, it still made me excited even though it was uh, not in the flesh. Uh, online shows I'm going to run through. Please forgive me for running through quickly. There's a lot to see and I think at this time people have found it so helpful to escape through the arts online um, which is great and I hope it makes people realise how important the arts are to our lives day to day when everything goes into its new normal. Um, so, Hauser and Worth, huge gallery, big organisation, has an amazing plethora of stuff on its website, interviews, films, editorial. At the moment, they have um, a Lorna Simpson show online, but there's which is just opened, I think, but then there's much, much more to discover from their galleries all over the world and messages and videos from their artists, um, from their studios and kind of little, kind of almost tours, private tours of where their artists are working and how they're coping in isolation, which is fan fantastic. Also, Richard Saltoon, there's an online show curated by the writer and curator Philomena Epps called Bodily Objects. It's a show of feminist work by Penny Slinger, Rose English, Renata Bertelman and Helen Chadwick. And it's exploring ideas of surrealism, sexuality and subversion. And that's a great show, really interesting. And it's kind of shining a light on work which maybe didn't get the attention it deserved at the time, which is always fantastic and it's super fun to see um, at Cobb Gallery. They've got an online show by the artist Francis Waite, which is fantastic. So I encourage you to visit their website, cobgallery.com. And um, at Camden Arts Centre, I love um, all the kind of, I love escaping into nature um, through, you know, like online in this kind of crisis. So... Uh, this is great for me, but it's the Botanical Mind Online, and uh, it's a show of work inspired by and about nature, which is fantastic. And um, there's William Monk online show, which you can see at pacegallery.com, P-A-C-E. That's really interesting. And another thing that I've really been enjoying is... Um, Cypress, um, Cypress Avenue, which was on at the Royal Court, and um, there's also plays uploaded by the National Theatre. You can watch Frankenstein on YouTube as well for free. Um, my aunt suggested this actually, and she loves the theatre and encouraged me to have a look. But there's so much, and obviously theatres are really struggling at this time, so you can go. Um, connect with what they're doing, watch some online theatre, doesn't really lose anything in my opinion, um, and um, donate a little bit of money to support these amazing organisations. I don't know if you have a local theatre um, where I am, there's a few, and you know, just maybe a donation of £5 if you watch any free content or if you just think you have anything spare at the moment, although I understand not many people do. I've also just really been enjoying checking out what artists are putting online on their Instagrams. Um, Alvaro Barrington has been, is really great and he's uploaded some kind of drawings, prints that you can fill in and colour in and so has Marcel Zama. 
Um, you can download that at davidsverner.com, a whole artist colouring book um, about Pink Moon, based on Pink Moon, which is wonderful. And um, I would just go to your favourite institution, gallery, local place, click and have a look at what they've got because people are just putting such a wonderful range of stuff online. All right, that's it from me for this month. Can't wait till next month to bring you all more of whatever's happening. Who knows where we'll be at at that time. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Roaring Twenties Radio.